Hello. Welcome to the pilot recording of Clock Tower, a D&D 5th edition experience. For those that don't know, Dungeons & Dragons is a tabletop role-playing game owned by Wizards of the Coast. Clock Tower is a custom D&D setting that I have created as well as a custom class to go along with it. That class is called the Clock Tower Agent. Players in this game create their character sheets differently than normal play. The players have all taken a test. That not only shapes how they play their character based on how they answered a set of questions, but the test itself actually determines their stats, skills, and physical appearance. What you will hear at the beginning of this show is that test and our lovely player Darby's answers to it. So, without further ado, welcome to the Clock Tower. Those helping me out on this lovely project, um... I'll go from right to left of people introducing is uh, our lovely editor and uh, sound producer, um, as well as music producer for this entire little project we've got going on. Uh, I'm who's I had to shimmy on over, but uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good to be here. Let's 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 clock those towers. (laughs) And then uh, we have one of our lovely players. Hey, I'm Cal. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. It's uh, always a pleasure, and uh, looking forward to it. Um, we have our newest player uh, with no 5e experience, uh, the lovely as always. Hi, I'm Darby. And then with probably the most 5e experience of anybody in this room right now, uh, we have the ever-prevalent. Uh, yeah, don't quote me on that. Uh, I'm Trent. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and between the five of us... Welcome to the first session of Clock Tower. You've traveled for a very long time, through strange and brutal lands seeking something. The trouble is, it's been so long, you can't remember what you're seeking. In truth, you can't remember anything. As you try to recall your travels, an early memory is stretched up one of pain and loss. When you set out on your journey, what did you leave behind? A beautiful and peaceful homeland. But it wasn't just a place, a home. There were people too. There always were. What kind of people did you leave behind? The kind of people who always loved and believed in me. With the past left behind, you started on the hard path that led towards your goal. But it was still so far away. Yet the draw of the thing you're seeking led you ever onward. A stalwart determination kept you on your path. But what is it that you're seeking? Something without a heart or a soul. Even though you've been through so much strife along the way, and you're so tired, you become stronger with every step of your journey, surviving things no traveler should survive. Through your journey, what has become strongest? My eyes. But throughout everything, it's not just your body. Your eyes that have grown, your mind, maybe even your soul has come so far in the journey with you. Which of your abilities has improved the most? The ability to trust my gut. No matter how strong you've gotten, your memory has faded. Even these memories, you can't be sure if they're correct. Now, as you carry onward, you don't even know what you're seeking. But it draws you forward. Ever forward. And you're close now. Closer than you've ever been. But you're too tired to carry on. You need a rest. Up ahead, you find a field to rest in. As you set your things down and lay down yourself, you take in the size of the field. How big is it? A small field. 
Leaning your weight to one side, you see the flora of the field softly waving through your fingertips. What is it that grows in this field? Dead grass. As you lay back, you realize that it may not be the only thing growing here. Small wildflowers also peek up through your fingers. What do they look like to you? They're too old. They've wilted and turned dry. Maybe it's fate, but it appears to be your favorite season too. What season is it? Fall. Rolling your head back towards the sky, you breathe a relaxed sigh. You notice the time. What time is it? I'm not sure. Dawn or dusk, maybe? It's hard to tell if the sun is rising or falling. In this place, you close your eyes, drifting blissfully to sleep. Your dreams are strange and twisted that night. You dream of a large clock tower with a blank face. Its hands move in opposite directions and tick at different speeds. Whatever it is that you seek, you know that the answers will be found there. You're awoken by the wind, though. What kind of wind is it? It's a harsh breeze that chills and startles me awake. Now awakened, you see your things beside you where you left them. They look undisturbed. As you look around, things seem the same. What do you do? I get up and carry on. I've wasted too much time already. You leave the field, heading onward. In the distance, you see the silhouette of a large clock tower. The road to this mysterious clock tower was much longer than you expected. Making your way through the forest, what was the trip like? A neat but ominous path. Making your way through this path, you glance up at the sky and you realize that it may not even be the same day anymore. How long has it been on this path? It's had to have been a day at most. I don't usually lose track of time. You make your way onward as your mind considers the time, and then it's finally before you. This clock tower. And within it are all the answers you've been seeking. But the sun, the sun silhouettes it, even now obscuring it from your vision. What do you do? I cover my eyes with my hand and get a good look at the tower. As you enter into the clock tower, you see a spiraling staircase stretching towards the top. You struggle to think of how tall the tower might truly be. How far is it? It might be a bit of a climb, but I'll make it. What do you do when you finally reach the top floor? Oop, first floor. Straighten myself up and proceed through the door. You find yourself on the first floor of the clock tower. Its door opens to a large and well-stocked study. In the room centermost, there's a table. On the table are four books laid out as if someone had selected them carefully. You grab one cautiously, but which one do you choose? The Divine Comedy. As you pick it up, you see it's well read. What do you do? I look through and see if anything is important. It must be there for a reason. What do you do with the book when you're finished with it? I set it back on the table. It doesn't belong to me. As you turn around, you realize that the study is engulfed in flames. The door to the next room is also currently engulfed in flames. What do you do? I grab a rug and smother the fire before exiting carefully. As you climb the stairs to the next floor, you see that they're broken, barring your path. How do you get across the gap? I carefully climb the railing, still affixed to the wall. As you finally reach the door to the second floor of the clock tower, you see that it's locked. How do you go about opening it? I search around the stairwell until I find the key. Inside, as you open it, there's nothing but a small table and a mirror. As you approach the table, you see a pile of gear and weapons. You recognize them, because they're yours. As you put your things on and inspect the mirror, you are surprised to see yourself. Or rather, 
who you've become through this journey. Darby, as you look at yourself in the mirror, you see a man that stands at four foot six inches. He's thin, with black, short, clean-cut hair and gray eyes. His skin is of a tan color, and he wears a wide-brimmed hat and a waist-length coat. You see on the table in front of you an instrument of your choice that's important to you. You also see on the table a bladed weapon of your choice of style and a flintlock pistol. However, something isn't right. You must change one thing about your physical appearance. It can be anything. It can be what gender you are, how tall you are, what your weight is, your eye, skin, or hair color, what kind of coat or hat you're wearing, or the style in which you're dressed, whether it be clean-cut, disheveled, what, what have you. I want to be tall. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a height in mind? Uh, 6'3". All right. As you realize that the person in the mirror is you, and you go, wait, that's that's not right. I'm taller than this. And you see the image of yourself in the mirror change as well. Uh, you stand at a height of 6'3", and otherwise you look the same. You look around the room, and the door behind you seems to have disappeared. The now the dusty room that you're in with the empty table and the mirror, full-bodied almost Victorian-looking mirror seems to be the only thing in this room. And As you look at the reflection of yourself and realize that this is truly what you look like, your reflection disappears, rippling away as if a stone dropped into a pond of water. Instead, the mirror seems to be reflecting a different room as you double-check behind you to make sure that it is not, in fact, the room you're in. It isn't. It seems to be depicting a very, very large, round room that seems to have a small, sort of quaint sitting area set up directly in front of uh, whatever this mirror is reflecting. Beyond the sitting area, it seems a enormous hourglass sits on a large stone pedestal as almost a centerpiece of this round room, and behind it, you see a bigger still face of a clock tower that's hands at different speeds and move in opposite directions. What do you do? Touch the mirror. As you touch the mirror, it feels as if its surface gives way to your hand, feeling as if you're putting your hand through a sort of thick fog or a sort of room temperature pool of water. Uh, push harder on the mirror. As your whole arm goes through into whatever is beyond this mirror. Look behind me. The same dusty room seems to be directly behind you. No way in or out left and nothing but cobwebs to decorate the place. Uh, walk through. As you walk through the mirror, you find yourself in that same very large round room. However, now within the room yourself, you can see more details about the room. Things you couldn't notice from the view that the mirror seemed to be describing to you. It seems as if you've stepped out of this mirror and behind you the mirror is reflecting the same room and you in it um the small sitting area is on a large oval rug big enough to have a three-person couch and two armchairs surrounding a small coffee table to your right there seems to be a large um almost uh, a balconied library setup with two curved staircases that lead up to a second floor and have bookcases above on the first floor that you're currently standing on and on the floor above on the balconied upper part 
your left seems to be a wall of uh, shelves that are all empty right now. Um, as you look over, the shelves seem to go up for a very long time. And as you continue the shelves path up, you see that above you seems to be a never-ending, intricate work of clockwork moving in a systematic way into infinity, far past what you are even able to to comprehend. Looking up actually seems to give you a headache for a moment as if it's just, it's just too much. Um, you keep looking up. <laughs> you quickly look down. Um, you see, again, that large clock face that seems to take up an entire sort of the... Uh, if, if you would be standing at the south, the north part of the room, um, with the big hourglass in the middle it it seems like it it has to be almost i think like 20 feet tall it's enormous um and it's big uh glass walls seem to be filled by sand that's not losing any on the top or gaining any on the bottom and the sand seems to shift and glow in an intricate way almost like starlight um and Almost as you're looking at this hourglass out of the corner of your eye, you see closest to the sitting area, but still tucked in the back of the room, is a large wardrobe. Seems to be about six feet tall by three feet wide, and it uh, looks like it has worn a path into the old wooden floorboards of this place. Um, to the point where there seems to be a curved groove coming at it, as with, as if on the floor are the history of how many people have moved this wardrobe away from the wall as if something might lie behind it. I want to go investigate. To investigate the bookcase, can you roll an investigation check, please? I got a five. Plus whatever your investigation is. Plus two. Plus two. Excellent. Seven. Um, it's not very hard to figure out what's going on about the wardrobe. As you open it, it doesn't seem like it has any clothes in it yet. However, there are like the the bar, the metal rod there as if you could hang clothes on it. Um, but the, the grooves in the floor definitely seem to be telltale signs that someone has like grabbed this bookcase and forcibly shoved it away from the wall to get at whatever is behind the wall. And as you investigate, you kind of peek around it's kind of dark to see behind the bookcase because this room is pretty dimly lit it seems to be the only light in this room is coming from the giant clock face itself and the hourglass um so that as you can imagine in a, in a room as big as this makes it so that it's kind of lit up by this sort of soft whiter blue light so over here it's kind of this wardrobe's almost shadowed almost as if it's like put over here to be away from people's normal um like sight lines and like interest um, however, you still seem to have taken an interest in it, and you see in the, the like, weathered wood wall, there seems to be a, uh, like, a molding, as if, uh, like, carpentry molding, like, as if there's a door frame behind the bookcase. However, as you're investigating the bookcase, you see a glint of light from in front of the clock tower from where you're standing right now, um... And as you kind of look over your shoulder, you see that from where you were standing in the sort of uh, lounge area previously, you couldn't see a, a, a short to the ground, but very long and thin table that has a uh, something glowing 
on it. Glint and gold. Okay. Uh, can I go look at it? Yeah. As you go over to the table and you see the whatever is glinting gold um, on the table, uh, it looks to be a small pocket watch. And as you look at it, you feel a deep and emotional connection to it, as if it was something very important to you, something you've had your whole life uh, that might have been from someone you really trusted or respected or maybe even a loved one, but is now yours and has been for a long time. Uh, I'm going to pick it up and put it in my pocket. As you pick it up and put it on your pocket, it only feels right to attach the chain to your outfit. And as you kind of look at your outfit that you're wearing, it's a, it's almost a sort of a suit. Um, somewhere in between, with I believe you're wearing a waist length coat, right? A waist a waist length kind of sort of overcoat, a nice like vest that's got buckles rather than buttons, um, and any other sort of aesthetic features of your coat are totally up to you as to uh, decide. But they are ultimately looking at you. You seem as if you would fit into a sort of. Uh, for lack of a better description, a grungy, um, sort of medieval Victorian era, somewhere in between there, um, either someone of, of noble area or maybe just someone who's in an area with a lot of rain. Um, and as you put the watch in your pocket, you notice another detail about the room that you hadn't yet noticed, which is, uh, two things. There is a, like what looks like a stone stoop in front of the clock tower that seems to lead up to the clock face as if it were a door but there is no door that you can see on the clock face and there seems to be a, a slight glow of light on that stone stoop and also to your right uh, on the second floor of that sort of empty bookshelves area just like tons of full size like taller than you bookshelves um, on the first bookshelf to the left of the second floor, all the way on the top shelf to the very far left is a single book that looks familiar to you because even from here, you can tell that it looks like Dante's Inferno. Weird. Um, kind of want to reach for the book. So as you head up the curved staircase and feel the cold railing on your hands as you walk over to it, you realize that since you're tall, it's pretty easy to reach up to the tall shelf the top bookshelf and like all these bookshelves like you can see there's there's about three rows on every floor of uh one the back wall bookcase takes up the entire wall and then there's uh two like from that there's two other bookcases and then two other bookcases that have a path down the middle to the back wall so you end up with one two three four five different sets of bookcases that are all completely empty except for this one book I'm gonna flip through the book. It seems like the same copy that you read on your way through the clock tower. Like, down to ripped pages and stains and everything. Hmm. Can I fold a page down and put it back on the shelf? Yes. Okay. Then I'm gonna go and look. Which shelf do you put it on? Back exactly where it was? Yes. Okay. Um... Then I'm going to go to the hourglass and look at it. Okay. As you go over to the hourglass, it, it's 
the the stone um, platform that it's on is about two feet tall, so it actually like takes a good step to get up onto that stone platform. But as you look at the hourglass sand itself, um, you see that it's not sand at all. Though the hourglass is enormous, the sand still seems to be the size of normal grains of sand, smaller than you yourself could fit in between your fingertips to really get a look at, like, grains of sand. But as you look closer, you see that those grains of sand look like worlds, like stars and galaxies pouring through the hourglass. I'm going to touch the hourglass. It feels impossibly cold, almost painfully so. Mm -hmm but it doesn't, like, your hand doesn't stick to it at all. It just feels impossibly cold, and when you touch the hourglass, you hear the sound of, like, echoing as if you put your hand on an empty glass tank, and you can hear it echoing within, but it sounds as if it echoes into forever. The echo is just lost to the void. I'm going to quickly take my hand back. <laughs> okay. Um... Also, from standing on the stone sort of round centerpiece that this hourglass is on, you can see from in front of the clock face, the stoop, the thing that you had seen glowing previously, seems to be a sort of a shifting symbol of some kind. It's like it looks etched into the stone, but those etchings seem to change almost as if it's fluidly carving itself into different shapes constantly. I'm definitely going to go walk and see what's going on down okay. there. Um, as you look at the stoop and you see the shifting symbols, they all aren't any that you recognize. They're strange, eldritch shapes that don't seem to be from any language or number system or anything that you would know. And along your path from the south, you've seen some strange things. But this... This is odd. And... Even yet, as you look at it, you feel like it's a a threshold. Like like one you might stand on in front of a door. I guess I'm going to walk over it. Okay. As you step up these steps and get to the platform of the stoop, you step onto those symbols and they continue shifting below you and as you look at it it's kind of like looking up it kind of hurts to look at it almost it's like your brain can't really it's almost like they're not actually shifting you're just not able to see what the symbols actually mean and it's just they're changing because it's your brain trying to understand what they are but as you're looking at it um you you briefly look up and you feel as you're stepping on the stoop a sense of connection to something bigger as if as if you had met a group of people and you had started onto some sort of some sort of path or journey or some sort of work that was very fulfilling emotionally and mentally that you feel like you're doing the right thing you feel that when you step onto the stoop and as before the stoop seems as if it leads up to some sort of door on the clock face itself but you don't see any seams as to where a door would be and the clock face is impossibly well much too big you're like an ant in front of a clock to this clock face it's much too big to be moved but still it seems to be calling out to you in some way can i knock on the clock face as you put your hand up and your your knuckles touch the clock face to knock um you feel as if you have like closed a circuit 
Like, you feel a sense of energy running through you that as soon as you touch the clock face, it closes that circuit and you feel that energy running through you to the clock face and you see the clock face's hands that have been moving wildly in opposite directions this entire time sync up at 12. And though there were no numbers on the clock face previously, there are now, like a normal clock, but backwards, as you seem to be on the backside of whatever clock face this is if it was a clock tower you'd be on the inside of this clock tower so as you see they match up at 12 they start systematically the minute hand starts going down and ends at six just stops and you see it slightly move backwards but while it was doing this that wasn't the only noise you heard you heard a ticking in your pocket as well i'm gonna check my watch as you open your pocket watch you see that there are numbers on your pocket watch and hands that match perfectly the clock face's hands and you no longer feel that energy coming from the stoop it feels as if whatever strange connection that needed to be made had been made and the glowing symbols aren't there right now Okay. Then I'm going to put my pocket watch back in my pocket. Okay. And turn around to face the rest of the room and look around. As you look around the rest of the room, you don't really notice anything except that there's this weird light reflecting on the uh, banister of the sort of the bookcase balcony um, and on the side of the hourglass as if from the sitting area, there's some sort of new light source that you hadn't previously seen. Oh. Um, However, from your current position, you can't actually see the sitting area because the hourglass, in its enormity, completely covers it. (laughs) Go and walk towards the sitting area. As you go walk towards the sitting area, you see that the mirror is glowing as if an open door to sunlight. Oh. I'm going to go put my hand back on the mirror. As, As you get in front of it, you see that it's actually depicting, like what looks like almost a medieval town square with a bunch of people of different make and race of like strange races that you don't feel like you've seen before and yet you know exactly what they are as you see orcs and elves and dwarves and all manner of people walking from here to there going about their daily lives and as you look you feel like this is the way to go And as you put your hand up to go through it, you feel that same sensation again, as if your hand is passing through water or a thick fog. I'm going to trust my gut and walk through. As you walk through the mirror and exit the clock tower, you see living and breathing before you is a medieval village, a town, um, going about their their lives a, a fantasy village of of what seems like humble proportions um it doesn't seem too big or too small however as you look around kind of like obviously and understandably confused you see there are three other people standing side by side with you as if they also just like walked out into this square and they look equally confused as you look uh to your left um you see Hey, uh, I'm Sam. I stand at, you know, an average 4'6", amber eyes, fair skin, blonde, medium hair, a bit disheveled with a, you know, wide brim hat, a uh, knee-length coat, and uh, 
all around a general sense of flair. <laughs> he uh, walks up to you and uh, says hello. Excuse me, uh, sir. Uh, don't believe we've met. Uh, do you know where we are? I have no idea. Also to your right, you see... A uh, slightly tall gentleman. He's around 5'6". Uh, live build. Dark blue eyes. Dark tan skin with the dark, short, dark blonde hair. He's wearing what looks to be some sort of ankle-length coat with a wide-brimmed hat. Almost like he is, uh... Almost like a minister's hat. Um, he approaches you all and just puts out a hand. Um, Jaeger, nice to meet you. You notice a few things as you're meeting these people, too. You... You don't know what your name is. You can't remember. You can't remember ever having one. Which is a strange thing, to be sure, but they seem to be introducing themselves as if they know their names confidently, and yet you immediately notice something. More telling than their names, more telling than their outfits, which, though they seem to be of more medieval make, their their coats seem to be of a, of a woolen stitch, you see uh, on both of them a silver chain that looks identical to the golden one that you have coming from your coat, leading to a pocket watch. And you, immediately upon seeing it, understand as if you've known for days, weeks, months even, that that's the sign of someone else from the tower. And lastly, in front of you, not really paying attention to anything that's going on, doesn't really even hear you two introduce themselves, you see a thin, very tall, at 6'6", six, six, red hair, glassy, blue eyes that you won't see, but they're definitely there. Uh, clean cut, very androgynous looking, uh, with, you know, same garb as everybody else, just kind of staring at the town in slight confusion, but more dissonance in their gaze. And you? Oh, sorry. Uh, I don't really call myself anything. Nothing I can really remember. What, what, do you have a name? Not that I know of. Oh, in the same boat. Um, these two are very chatty. Um, I don't really know why, but I also don't know why we're here, so... A large orcish man, as all four of you seem to be introducing yourselves and talking, sort of, uh, shoulder checks. Um, what did you, what did you say your name was? Jaeger. Jaeger? Yeah. Short, sort of shoulder checks you, Jaeger. Not on purpose, but more of a, like, he's carrying a lot of, like, crates and he can't really move out of the way, and he goes, Sorry, uh, you might not want to be in the road. <laughs> See, uh, sort of... Oh, my, my apologies. And uh, you see that you guys are kind of standing in the middle of a road in a busy town as if this seems to be too, too busy. And as all of you kind of look around confused, it's like, why would the clock tower bring me here? Um, you hear shouting in the distance. Sort of panicked shouting. And... Um... Hey, hey you... Is that normal? No, no, not... What do you think? As soon as I hear panic screaming, I'm going to take a couple steps back. As you take a couple steps back, you see 
in the distance what looks like a um it this this sort of the main road that leads up to a small like stone wall that beyond it seems to be a keep and you all see a big scaled hand grab the side of the stone wall and what looks almost like what you would normally understand to be an alligator starts crawling over the stone wall but then you see another head also peek over the stone wall and you see this two-headed alligator thing continue to slink over the wall as it doesn't seem like it stops as you see another pair of arms and another pair of arms and another pair of arms as it seems to be a sort of alligator centipede almost snake-like being that crawls forward as soon as this comes into frame i'm gonna yell to the orc is that normal (laughs) the orc drops the crates that seem to break as you see like um what looks like uh several like almost as if it was full of like rice or beans or something that just like spills out across the dirt floor and he goes oh god's above and he starts turning around and running and as everybody else seems impossibly frightened by these things as disgusting as it looks all of you are less afraid of it Sam's gonna pull out this kind of like long kind of like metal looking pipe and points it and he goes no 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 I ain't dealing with you today <laughs> and as he as, as he kind of walks up pushing past you guys wielding this pipe around that all of you were like what the what is that pipe Listen, um, all y'all. I don't know what this is, but uh, we ain't dealing with it. Um, you all realize that you're armed as well, huh. and that this thing seems to be very dangerous. As uh, reaching back behind them, um, grabbing the handle of what? What is the? What's the sword look like? Uh, so it is a, of course, two-handed great sword, okay. but um, it is curved slightly to the right as though it kind of has like the look of a sickle nice but definitely has a still a somewhat clean edge on the other side so imagine death scythe but it's completely full all right oh and to describe the pipe earlier um it looks like a pretty plain looking pipe but when you look closer at it it's a silver color and it has eldritch markings similar to the ones that you previously saw on the stoop all along its length uh, and the same thing can be said of this um, person's curved sword as they pull it out from the sheath behind them, except rather than being made of silver looking like, it looks like it's made of gold with the same sort of etchings into it. But it gold's a soft metal, and that doesn't look soft at all. That thing looks very sharp. Um, and as you realize, like looking down at your belt, you see the, the flintlock pistol that's tucked in there. And what does your sword look like? Well, would you like me to decide? I can decide for you if you would like. Yeah, that would actually be great. Okay. Um, in that case, uh, do you want a more... Answer this this quick question for me. Do you want like something you can hack with, or do you want something that's more elegant? Something that's more elegant. Something that's more elegant. In that case, it is a... Um, you know, why not? It is a sort of short-bladed sword. The blade itself is maybe two feet long, but it's got a almost an, a uh, serpentine curve going through it. 
um, and the the blade on it, as with the person who you seem to be standing next to, the blade looks wicked sharp. Um, and it is also a gold color with intricate um, sort of aberrant etchings going along the entire length of the blade. Uh, and it feels right in your hands. Like, as you pull it out and you pull the flintlock out, you realize, like, yeah, these are mine. Like, <laughs> this is what got me through the journey that I've been on. Um... And uh, how about you, Jaeger? Um, reaching behind his back, Jaeger pulls out what looks to be a um, a silver crossbow made of pure silver. Uh, bolts as well that are on his hip. Um, however, it seems almost as if it's uh, chambered. It has like what looks like a round spindled, almost like a barrel. Of just bolts that are all latched onto one one area. And as all of you kind of stand shoulder to shoulder, pulling out your weapons, uh, you look at this beast that seems to like slam into buildings left and right as it looks at all of you, almost stopping above you, its shadow actually engulfing all four of you, as it le- opens both of its mouths that are lined with three rows each of these gnarled, hideous teeth and lets out an inhuman aberrant scream that seems to echo throughout this town. Uh, and as all of you look up at it, weapons clutch tightly, roll initiative. Ellie again. Thanks for listening. Before you go, I'd like to thank Who's at Who's.Music on Instagram for his tireless effort and dedication to our countless projects and dreams here at the garage. I'd also like to thank our wonderful players, Cal, Darby, Parker, and Trent for their lovely performances. A big thank you to Aiden and Kaylee for lending their voices and efforts to help fill the background of this weird world we've created together. Most importantly, I'd like to thank you, the listener. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Clock Tower. And if you did, please show a friend, like, share, help us spread this around any way you can. We really, really appreciate it. Well, I guess I'll see you next time. Till then, time's ticking. See you in the Clock Tower.